Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, session number 40. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. We have a special guest on the show today. Doug Lebter is the CEO and founder of LendingTree. Now, LendingTree is a public company. They've been around for a long, long time. Um, many of us will have, will have seen their ads on TV, but they've only recently attacked this industry, the marketplace lending industry, and they've gone from nowhere to being the largest referrer of borrowers to major platforms like Lending Club and Prosper and several others for that matter. So I wanted to get Doug on the show, talk about you know, how he's been able to do that and also dig into the process a little bit and find out how the lending tree process works for borrowers and and how they've really been able to scale so quickly and become such an important part of the ecosystem today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, I know you've, you've you've sort of you were the founder of Lending Tree, which is you know a company that's been around for quite a long time now. But can you go back to the beginning and describe for the listeners uh, why you decided to start Lending Tree? Absolutely, I um, really came up with the idea first after frustration of getting a mortgage. I was uh, financing a small condominium in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was a fifty-five thousand dollar condo, and at that time the internet didn't exist in nineteen ninety-four. I went to uh, what now would be known as a rate table online, but it was in the newspaper, mm-hmm. and then went to uh, one bank, and they told me why that rate in the newspaper wasn't for me, <laughs> uh, and got uh, very dismissed by a loan officer, went to the second lowest rate, and uh, they kind of told me the same thing. Um, ultimately, ended up with that bank, and uh, I felt very disempowered by the process, and then uh, two years later, was working with, uh, believe it or not, natural gas energy derivatives traders. And uh, seeing how efficient a market could be and kind of ask the famous entrepreneurial question of, uh, you know, why can't mortgages be like this for consumers where you can actually comparison shop for money? So then you started the whole idea was going to be an online process from the from the get go. That it really it was um, launched the company in 1996. At that time, banks were really not ready for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it took about two years until the first lenders that really adopted us were what I like to call mortgage entrepreneurs. And you have to go back in time uh, to the days when there really weren't automated call centers and a lot of technology, but a bunch of entrepreneurs gave us a shot and um, over time increased conversion rates and uh, really made the process work. Um, we've always also had home equity and personal loans and auto loans, et cetera, but the mortgage companies really made it work. Um, right. It really started taking off after 2000. Mm-hmm. And um, until the uh, until the crisis of 2008, and then we've um, had to restructure things. But things have been going great since then. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. You've you know you've you've been, you've gone through you know two major upheavals. You went through the dot com bust, and you went through the financial crisis. And I think in between, you did an IPO, right? So I you've you've certainly covered a lot of territory, and you've gone you've seen a lot of boom and bust cycles. So, can you just talk us through how you were how how LendingTree was able to survive? Firstly, the dot com bust, and then the the financial crisis. Sure. So the um, the dot com bust, we were very fortunate that we went public in February of two thousand. We we're also very fortunate that we were one of the first internet companies that really did 
that did not focus on strictly online advertising, but really built a brand offline. And uh, that was very, very lucky for us because lenders basically were telling us that we needed to be big and move their needle and um, make this a meaningful channel for them. So we built the brand offline and were able to actually more profitably grow with offline advertising than online advertising. Hmm. The first dot-com bust, big challenge there was basically just staying very focused on our numbers, getting to profitability and making sure investors really understood our model. And uh, so we watched our stock go from 20 to about $2 a share by 2001. But then we just stayed focused on our numbers. And by 2002, we were profitable. And uh, in 2003, sold the company to, uh, to Interactive Corp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think from what I gathered, then you took a step back from the day-to-day operations of LendingTree and you're working for IAC. And But then the financial crisis comes and it sounds like you go back to the company. Can you so explain that what happened there and then how you're able to survive the financial crisis when basically no one was giving out a loan? That was probably the most challenging time in our history. We grew very, very fast from um, 2000 and probably two till 2008. And as a search engine, really in the, in the lending categories, we're relying on advertisers who are lenders who pay us for calls, clicks, and leads. And then, but really focus on their conversion rates and their cost per funded loan. And for those years, mortgage was very critical, but then those advertisers really dried up in the financial crisis. And so we had lots of very long-term advertising contracts, which were significantly underwater. Mm -hmm. I decided to take the company back in 2008, reimagined the product. Um, Thankfully, we had a lot of cash from IAC, which stemmed the losses uh, for a period of time. And then we made significant restructuring and significant changes to our business model Uh, Not really significant changes to our business model, but I would say tweaks to make it better, to engage customers more fully, to um, help the lenders convert better, shifted about half of the volume over to mobile. And importantly, you know, if we fast forward to now, this is really the first time in our 20-year history or 19-year history that I would say lenders have the automation and the technology to really make online originations work. And then on the consumer side, the beauty of our business today is we've got this great brand, but um, consumers are still just waking up to the fact that they that they can get real value by shopping for money, and then mm-hmm. they can actually save money by comparing multiple offers side by side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, you you had this um, the famous slogan. I think you did a really good job of the offline. You know, when banks compete, you win. That's something that uh, certainly we're able to put you in the. You know, the front of people's minds, I guess. But from what I gather, is it's still you? People sort of get the slogan, and they, and you probably you know you're obviously able to attract a lot of a lot of um, you know visitors because of that. But you're saying that right now it's like the banks or the lenders didn't really have everything in place that to, to sort of add a lot of value. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I wouldn't say add a lot of value. I would say, you know, similar to what Google experienced or what a Priceline experienced in the early days of their company, for those guys, if the travel companies or in Google, the advertisers couldn't convert clicks to actually close loans or closed transactions, whatever they were, then it wasn't the world's greatest channel for them. Right. If they couldn't convert, then we couldn't afford to pay for the advertising to drive in the customers. And we focus very much on the unit economics of every customer. So it costs, it costs us, let's say, you know, $50 to drive in a customer. We need to monetize that customer with a lender at roughly 
you know, uh, 90 to a hundred dollars to, mm-hmm. you know, have roughly a 40 to 50% margin and then cover our fixed costs. But what we're seeing now is that lenders have really automated their processes, really reduced the cost to process and fund loans across the spectrum. Um, not only mortgages and now again, home equity starting to come back, but personal loans, auto loans, credit cards, and small business, which is just an emerging category for us, as well as student loans, uh, student loan refinancing. So now that there's lender demand and the lenders are appropriately automated, we can be a very, very efficient marketing channel for the lenders at scale, which is very important for them, right. which gives us the um, enough monetization to go drive into consumers. Okay, so um, the consumer side's always been the easy piece for us from the standpoint that when consumers get the fact that comparison shopping will actually save them money, just like they comparison shop for hotels or airlines or pretty much anything else online, mm-hmm. we really needed the lenders to um, to have the demand and to be ready to originate at scale, and that's just really happened in the last year or so, and it's still very early days. Right, right. So when I, when I think of your company or, or historically thought of your company, I thought of it as real estate loans. That was sort of the, the piece. I mean, can you tell us? Like you've mentioned some of the some of the different uh, products that you're, you know, the verticals you're working with. Are you like when did you move beyond real estate, and how and how important is the other are the other categories? We have actually always been beyond real estate. We've always had all of those loan types except for small business loans and credit cards since the origin of the company. The the challenge was that if we had, let's say, a personal loan customer come in, there weren't a lot of lenders automated enough, so we would end up um, sending those to local finance companies the they might call the consumer back or post an offer back maybe a couple days later and those offers weren't necessarily competitive if you go back let's say eight or ten years except for the mortgage category but now that you've got um, all these online lenders coming up whether it's prosper lending club avant or even traditional companies like one main and springleaf and now many many others and then in the small business category you've got you know, all these startups as well who are lenders looking to originate customers, they see us as a very profitable way to originate customers that meet their individual credit profiles. And because of that, our revenue on a unit basis has gone up because lenders see the profitability and they're willing to, they're getting good conversion rates. So they're willing to bid more for every interaction, whether it's a click, a call or a lead. Um, which gives us enough money to then go do marketing. And then because of our brand awareness, because of when banks compete you in and that offline history, we're able to then very profitably go and um, find those customers, whether they're online or offline. And I've really built a great marketing machine to leverage the brand and go get customers at whatever the demand the lenders have. Mm-hmm. And the other nice thing that's happening is now lenders are starting to lend again more across the credit spectrum and not just do the super prime customers, which whenever you advertise, you know, get a loan and save money, you're going to get customers really from A to Z. You're going to get all 50 states and all types of credit categories. And now that you've got innovators coming in to lend money in different bands of credit spectrum, um, that's great for us because we can do very broad-based marketing and then 
carve up the market for the lender's specific appetite, whether it's geography or credit band or loan type, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how that's, 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 that makes it just brings more, more potential customers into the fold. So I want to talk about the uh, peer-to-peer lending specifically. When did uh, like Lending Club Prosper you know, first get on your radar? They've been on our radar since they started probably, I would say, eight or nine years ago, but at their founding. Mm-hmm. They originally started in true peer-to-peer, where a consumer would lend to another consumer. Right. And um, that model really did not scale and really did not take off until they turned it to selling those loans to institutional investors who were looking for extra yield. And once they did that, their model scaled. They had the underwriting and the processing and the servicing nailed. Uh, They obviously had an outlet for their loans, but the challenge for all of those companies is that they need to originate customers. Right. And the other challenge in financial services, you know, unlike let's say a hotel where anybody who wants to stay in a Hyatt can stay in a Hyatt or in a Marriott or whatever it is, with credit, every individual lender wants a very small part of the total credit spectrum. So what we're able to do by being a marketplace is to aggregate up all of that demand and carve up the whole market and serve the lenders exactly what they want to be a more efficient marketing channel than their own. So it was really that shift from the P2P model into the consumer to institution model that um, and the automation of the process that enabled these lenders to be really successful and enabled us to then be able to feed them really significant volumes. And for right. most of those types of companies, we're their largest source of volume. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, so, so, and but, you know, you haven't been with them for that long. I mean, when did you first start on board with Lending Club or Prosper? Um, I think it was about 18 months ago. And yeah. our personal loan business grew from almost zero to now over $3 million a month uh, at very good margins. Um, and for most of those companies, we're their largest source of volume. Right. So, and you say three million dollars a month is your is your revenue? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that exactly, is- and that represents roughly forty percent of their revenue. Right. Which, you know, again, customer acquisition is typically the costliest part of the business um, for any lender, and that's what we really that's the that's what we solve. Just like a search engine, we find you customers that meet your criteria. Yeah. Yeah. So. So let's talk about the platforms. Obviously, you know, you've got the big guys, but what does it take for a new platform or a newer platform, you know, to work with you? Do you do you work with anybody? I mean, how do you decide whether or not to add uh, a new lender onto your platform? We have over 300 lenders that we work with. And historically, after the very, very early days, working with LendingTree and other online platforms, Uh, required significant automation. However, what we've done recently, particularly for the big banks, is we've enabled them to work with us without having to make changes to their internal process. So, for example, we're working with several big banks now in the mortgage space where they don't have outbound call centers and automated dialers and sometimes even automated decisioning. What we've done is we've worked with either a third-party call center and third-party automated decision engines so that when a customer comes to lending free, we can get a quote out of a third-party decision engine with that lender. And then we can transfer that customer to a call center who will then 
make sure that they use the automation to get that customer on the phone and make sure they're interested and then transfer that uh, phone call directly to as an almost like an inbound call to a bank. So we get the benefit of the brand of the bank without them having to actually change their process. Okay, We've so you're- also done what we call a local introduction product where decentralized lenders who have um, loan officers around the country, but maybe not sitting in one individual center, um, we actually not only give you the price, but also give you the name and the address of that loan officer so that they can call you and deal with you locally. So by us doing that, that's really helped those lenders succeed without having to change their model. Right. So I just want to be clear. So you actually are calling the customer, LendingTree is calling the customer on behalf of one of these lenders. Uh, either LendingTree is doing it or we're helping the lender find a third-party okay. um, call center company with a lot of technology to call them on, on the lender's behalf. And then we're also doing some other interesting things. Like, for example, today many big banks are saying, and we're working with one of the nation's biggest right now, who says, you know what, we don't really want to get new customers in the front door. We really want to deepen our relationship with our customers. So they're willing to do what Google would call broad match with us, where they say anybody who's coming to the site who has the relationship with bank XYZ, we want to have a chance to bid on every one of those customers and make them an offer. And that's working really, really well. We've got that live now with two banks and several others in the queue where we added a question to our form that says, who do you bank with? And they can click banks that they have a relationship with. And then those lenders want to um, bid on all of them. And we call that customer retention. And the banks are really, really interested in that right now. And we want to work with lenders however they want to work with us. If they want new customers or existing customers, we want to help them be profitable online. At the end of the day, if we don't make them money, we, we want to work with lenders who want to obviously make a profit, but do it the right way, be very transparent with the consumer, and then give the consumer the benefit of comparison shopping, just like any other marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so um, in preparation for this interview, I actually went on LendingTree yesterday and uh, I requested a personal loan, and I, I got 17 offers from four lenders, Prosper, Upstart, Best Egg, and Lightstream. I was curious that the the lending club was not part of that. So I guess my question is, how do you decide which lenders to basically provide offers to your consumers that are coming on and signing up? It's a great, great question. If you match more than four lenders, we obviously winnow it down to four. My guess is that that you either didn't meet the specific criteria. So we have 15 lenders on the personal loan network and a lot more in the queue. My guess is your specific criteria, whether it was the loan amount, whether it was your particular credit score, which some people actually don't like really, really high credit scores, or it also could be the lender's capacity. It could be that they maxed out for the day Mm -hmm. um, because we let them only bid on so many lenders or so many consumers. If they, you know, cap out, as we call it, and they only want, let's say, 500 new customers a day, we cap it at 500. And then we use an algorithm, very much like a search algorithm, that balances the lender's conversion rates, which is really a a proxy for us of the customer service and how good they're going to be for the consumer, with um, obviously our economics, which is also a proxy on conversion rate, and offers the best pricing for the consumer. 
We're always going to um, err on the side of giving the consumer the best prices in the market for you. Right. But we also don't want to give you 15 different lenders because that both erodes the conversion rates of the lender and as a consumer sort of overwhelms them in choice. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you'll select one of them. They'll have you fill out a few more fields of information um, and then you'll complete the process uh, on their site. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been, it was quite an interesting process because I, I received emails from every one of these companies uh, in pretty short order with, you know, just following up from what I did. So I can see how it's, you know, it, it's quite an efficient process. Now I'm not actually in the market for right. a loan, but, um, but it was. When banks compete, when banks <laughs> compete, you win. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, on the, on the panel at Lendit, you mentioned, that half your traffic today is coming from mobile. And that's, uh, I, I find that, uh, quite amazing. And it's, it's like mobile seems like it's changing, you know, like a lot of the um, lenders are experiencing similar growth in the mobile channel. You know, you've got to put your personal information in. You've got to fill out forms. I mean, how, how is that? How are you optimizing for mobile? And is that, are you doing it? Are you got your main website? You know, is it mobile first? Is it desktop first? Or are you trying to sort of do the, a combo of both? I think it's, it's not even a combo of both. Based on whichever channel you come in from, we are optimizing against what is the best form to ask you uh, to have you fill out based on that experience. But if you come in from mobile, unlike, let's say, a desktop experience, you're going to use a lot more sliders and a lot more drop downs. I... If you had told me six years ago that half our traffic would be from mobile, I would have probably laughed, mm-hmm. uh, and I would have laughed heartily. It's um, it, it surprised even me. But once we made the consumer experience so that you can do it very easily, and obviously the mobile phones have gotten bigger, and the smartphones have bigger screens, it really, really works for the uh, for the consumer, and it's very, very easy to do. The desktop, believe it or not, still converts better from a lender perspective. And I think that's just really the intent of the consumer. If you have to get up off the couch and walk to your desktop and fill out a form or pick up the phone and make a phone call, that's really expressing a higher level of intent than seeing a mobile ad or getting an alert and just um, you know flying through on a mobile phone. But that said, it's a significant amount of traffic. And increasingly, I mean, I see it in my own usage, and I'm sure you do too, you know, when I travel, I don't travel with a laptop anymore. I just travel with uh, with my iPhone, and it keeps you know keeps me in the loop, and I do everything on my iPhone. And I think a lot of people are more are moving that way more and more. So we're we're just reaching consumers everywhere they want to be reached, and then giving lenders the types of customers that they want, and trying to sit in the middle and and make that match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to. Touch on another thing you mentioned at Lendit, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And you, uh, you and uh, Aaron Vermoot from Prosper had a bit of a back and forth, and uh, you were you were saying that you think approval rates are too low. We should be approving more borrowers, and you'd like to eventually approve everybody. And Aaron Vermoot was saying that's not going to happen. So, how are we going to, particularly given him? You know, we have strict usury laws in this country where you can't, you know, you can't charge, uh, you know, above a certain level. So. But I guess my my question really is how because approval rates has been an issue because a lot of these platforms don't have a very high approval rate and how are we going to increase that? 
Well, one way they could do it is through LendingTree. So if you come to LendingTree, your odds of getting approved once you fill out that form are much higher. Mm-hmm. If you go to any individual lender, whether it's Prosper, Lending Club, and personal loans are 15 or 20 others, your odds of getting approved are lower because there's nobody sitting in the middle making the match. Right. So we're only sending to any lender the customers that meet their criteria. So approval rates should be higher for that individual lender. The way LendingTree views the market over time is that there should be a risk-adjusted price for everybody. I compare it to the insurance market, and that was one of the things I looked at when I started the company. I've got a 92-year-old grandmother who gets auto insurance. She pays a different rate than I pay, and she (laughs) pays a different rate, obviously much lower than a 19-year-old with three traffic tickets. And she should, because it's a risk-adjusted price. If you look at the corporate debt markets, a company on death's door right before Chapter 11 can still get financing. They just have a different bond rating than you know, General Electric, mm-hmm. and, but they can both get financing. And I think what you're going to see as the market develops competitively, you're going to see particularly in these subprime areas where people who have to today deal with check cashing stores and cash advances and the rates end up at insane levels, those rates are going to come down. And what we can do for those people is still have the lenders to compete, to bring the pricing down so the consumer gets a good deal, so that the lender still makes a healthy profit. And then importantly, with our My Lending Tree product, where we can monitor your credit, credit score for free and then make recommendations over time as our alerts and our, as we call it, the brain gets smarter, we can help you improve your credit rating or your credit score, just like in the, in the corporate world. If I, you know, if uh, you, you know, if you take certain steps on your balance sheet, certain steps on your income statement, your credit rating is going to improve, improve from double A AA to triple A and your cost of borrowing is going to go down. But in the corporate world, big corporations, everybody can get financing. Any corporation can get financing. The rates just vary with the risk. And my dream has always been to make the consumer market just like that. If you're in chapter 11, you can get debtor in possession or dip financing when you're actually in chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And which is probably the you know, lowest grade of credit possible. I believe the consumer should get the same thing without having to rely on you know, the local cash advance store. So does that mean and, you're, you're, um, you're open to working with these short-term lenders then? The, you know, over time, I, today, there are not a lot of, today you still have people that, that I would say are not, the, the lenders that I've met so far are not yet automated enough. They're mm-hmm. still very localized. And they don't yet have the consumer experience that, that we would necessarily um, want for our consumers. But over time, Absolutely, because I think you'll have much more automated, you know, much more ethical, high-interest lenders. And yeah, I want to have a loan for every single consumer. And then we want to be your trusted advisor to tell you whether it's a good deal. And uh, we don't want you to do anything stupid. I don't want you to pay a 1,000% interest rate to get three days advance on your, on your paycheck. And if that's what the result is, you know, we would probably guide against it over time. We're not yet, we don't yet have those alerts and that brain built. Um, But over time, I would absolutely hope to, that regardless of your risk, 
you know, just like the insurance market, if you've got, you know, 14 speeding tickets, you can still get auto insurance. It's just very different than my 92 year old grandmother. Right. And the same thing should be true in the debt market. Now, we also, though, take very seriously the fact that we don't want consumers to make stupid decisions. Right. We don't want you to borrow stupidly. We want you to borrow smartly. Now, we're not going to, at the end of the day, stop it if you want to you know, do something silly. But we do want to be on the side to say, hey, wait a minute, think about this. And financial literacy um, matters and education matters to us. And we think we can do that by giving you your free credit report and then over time helping you actually improve it. If you pay down this line, uh, if you reduce your budget, if you do certain take certain actions, you'll improve your credit and then we alert you when we can save you money. So if you take good actions to improve your credit, we will also just tell you, you know what, now that 9% interest mortgage, uh, you can now get a 6% interest mortgage, interest rate mortgage and uh, cut your payments by $200 a month. Would you like to click one button and you're off to the races. So so that means, I guess, so you're being proactive then, and you obviously have you have some decent data on your on your consumers. You know what loans they, they've actually accepted. So I mean it's going back to the education piece, I mean, so what 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 are you doing proactively with you know to help consumers make better choices? Today what we're doing and I'll tell you today and then, you know, not tomorrow, literally, but um, where we hope to go. Today, what we're doing is giving you access to your free credit report. And then we are giving you alerts. We're telling you how you can improve it still fairly crudely that we might recommend that you, for example, pay off a credit card and refinance it with a personal loan. And, uh, and that that would today we are not telling you that that would improve your credit score eight points. We expect to be able to predict that over time and say, if you take certain actions, you'll be able to improve your credit score. And if you can, just like if I were in the corporate bond market, they would say, well, if you could improve your cash flow to asset ratio or whatever ratio they want, they could say uh, a lender or an investment banker could say, if you take certain actions, you can go from double A AA to triple A. We hope to do the same thing with consumers over time, to, to encourage them to take smarter actions, show them what they can save. We've got some interesting social ideas around that to show people how other people like them are performing and the types of actions that they're taking. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, our vision statement that we've had you know, almost since the beginning is to make, help make consumers, help consumers make the smartest decisions they can at the most critical times in their lives. And for most consumers, this is what still baffles me, that most consumers still don't shop for money. Over two-thirds of the customers will still take the first offer that's given to them because they're happy to get approved. They're happy to get a right. loan. Right. And the lender might be you know, baking in you know, a lot of fees, a lot of points, and making a lot of money off of that. And we want to help consumers make smart decisions and manage their finances uh, appropriately, just like you do in the corporate market. But we want to make it easy on them. And what we've seen over the last few years, the consumers just want a, a guide. They want somebody to tell them the right answer. And we're an unbiased guide. We're not in this to have them take out another loan. We're not in this just to make money. We're really in this to help them make smart decisions. And if we help them make smart decisions, we can make enough money and our lenders can still be very, very profitable. 
but we want to help the consumer make smart decisions and improve their lot in life. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So before I let you go, I just want to I want to touch on one more piece that we you, you you just mentioned earlier, and that's the small business area. Now, when I actually went onto Lending Tree, I didn't see an option for small business. Maybe I was. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're giving it to everybody, but just talk a little bit about what you're doing for small business lending. We have about 10 lenders up and live today on small business loans. Small business is the most illiquid market, I think, for lending um, overall. Every lender has a different form, a different process different underwriting criteria, and there are lots of different small business loans from cash flow loans to, to equipment financing to you know, short-term revolvers, et cetera. So you've got a lot of products inside of small business. But that said, there are a lot of new innovators that are coming in to help automate that process. And as they automate the process and they have acceptable conversion rates, we think we can really revolutionize a very, very underserved market. In the small business financing, you've typically got community banks that offer it, but every community bank sees the market very, very differently. And then you've got the SBA sort of government back market, which is, you know, very labor intensive and time intensive and 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 also very narrow. So the more lenders that come in, the better. We're now seeing more banks come in. Banks have already been in the market, but Small business is probably the biggest opportunity from the standpoint that because lenders all see the market very, very differently, that by aggregating up all the demand of all the lenders, if you can actually cover the entire waterfront, you can really, really help the consumer and help them with their small business financing needs. And again, take small business financing very similar to the corporate market, um, where you don't need to walk into a bank branch, you don't need to fill out all these forms. You can now have technology that uploads your financials, um, that uploads your tax returns, right? Have the IRS database that has your Dun & Bradstreet score, that has your personal financial statements. And you don't need to enter in all that data, which would have been an onerous process with one lender, and then you'd be happy to just get approved. Now what you can do is actually have lenders compete for that. And that... Mm -hmm. That is very, very early days. That's probably the earliest of days, but probably the biggest opportunity because when I talk to small business owners, that is their biggest challenge. Right. So does that mean that's – is this one of the key areas? I mean, what 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 are you focused on now as far as growing your business? Is you know, Obviously, you've gone from zero to the largest referrer to uh, you know, the P2P lending area. Where are you focused about um, now as far as growing your business? We're actually focused on all of it. We have about, um, we still have about eight tenths of 1% share in the entire U.S. consumer lending market, including small business. And we expect to grow that very aggressively. That we're now doing uh, 1.5 or 6% of all the mortgages in the United States. And we expect to be able to grow across the categories. So now that the beauty of our business is the technology is, is effectively the same. It's essentially a search engine. So it would be like asking Google, are you focused in mortgage keywords or pharmaceutical keywords? Well, they're focused on all of them. And um, we are adding lenders. We have more inquiries from lenders than we can possibly implement. So our focus is really on scaling our company so that we can add more lenders, let them zero in on their piece of the market and do it across every consumer, every consumer category 
and then plus add in the alerts from my lending tree to maintain a ongoing and lifetime relationship with those customers. But at the end of the day, we make money and exist because lenders see us as an efficient and profitable marketing channel for them, more profitable than they can do on their own. And because consumers are just waking up to the reality they can actually comparison shop for money. Right. Okay. That's a good, that's a good place to, to stop. I really, really appreciate your time today, Doug. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed being on the show. Okay. Thanks. See ya. Thank you. Bye-bye. That last point that Doug made about consumers waking up and comparison shopping, I think that is, I really feel that this is going to be a trend that's going to carry this industry through for the next decade. That, you know, a loan is, you know, let's face it, whether you get the loan, a $10,000 loan from Lending Club, Chase, or your local community bank, it's still the same $10,000. It's not better necessarily if it's, if it's got from somewhere else. So what, what you want is something that's convenient and you want the lowest price. So those are the two, two factors. And I can see how consumers are going to get more and more information. They're going to, companies like LendingTree are just going to get bigger and more important where, you know, no one's going to want to go along and, or not no one, but few people are going to want to go and take out a loan application at prosper.com, lendingclub.com, upstart.com, circleback lending. You know, it's, it's just that's too time consuming and uh, not very efficient. So this is where companies like LendingTree could really make such a difference. So anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Bye.